You're listening to Dramas Over Flowers with Saya, Anissa, and Borama. In this wild yak, we're going to be talking about the first three episodes of Squid Game, which is taking over the world, or has already taken over the world, I don't know. And we're going to be spoiling it, so it is kind of like a spoiled yak, but it's only about the first third of the drama. So if you have finished it, we're not going to be talking about the whole thing, but we wanted to jump on this while we were fresh. Thank you so much, listeners. And if you want to find our extra content for patrons, you can find it at patreon.com slash dramasoverflowers. Thanks for helping us make stuff like this. And let's get into the episode. Hi, everyone. I'm Saya. And I'm Anissa. And today we're talking about Squid Game episodes one through three. Because there's nothing else in the universe to talk about. Apparently so. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's weird because I was excited for this show. um, And then everyone was watching it and it felt like we had to watch it. And then my excitement dimmed <laughs> significantly <laughs> i know it's it's one of those weird things the higher it climbed on the trending list the like it my enthusiasm was like inversely proportional to its popularity and we have a whole discussion about this in our what's up in drama land episode which is coming next right even though we're recording them in reverse order <laughs> yes it will be coming next week so we've already talked about it that's a full long discussion about why we are snobs <laughs> and but let's just get into the first three episodes then. We don't really need a preamble. Can we just I did not expect Gong Yu. I was like, what? Gong Yu? What are you doing? All right. <laughs> perfect cameo, honestly. Absolutely if somebody perfect. is gonna sell you on the idea of like a murderous game, he's gotta have Gong Yu's face. Like, why else would you say yes? <laughs> so how do you feel having watched the three episodes? Are you gripped? So I don't know if it was only because of its extreme popularity that I was feeling a little bit of like resentment because, you know, of what we just talked about. But I think it was also because the way the story starts is so miserable and it's necessary to the story because obviously you have to feel the gravity of how desperate these people's situations are, that they would be willing to not only go to this place once, but return after they've seen what horrors are lying in store for them. I know that you kind of needed that, but I just really, it's kind of miserable. Like the first half an hour of the show where you're learning, um, you know, Lee Jung Jae, who plays the main character, Ki-hoon, like you just see all the ways in which his life just sucks. Also, he's not like the most likable character either. So it's mm. not even the kind of situation where you're like rooting for the main yeah, character 100%. immediately. It takes you a while to start to see his good qualities and, you know, to start rooting for him, at least for me. So it wasn't really until the end of episode two, beginning of episode three, when you get the introduction of the detective who's played by Wee Ha-jun. I think his name is Jun-ho. That was when I was like, okay, I'm hooked. And like that whole thing of like, when you once you realize that somebody's going to be investigating this game and trying Mm -hmm. to like infiltrate it. And from, you know, those creepy, what would you, how would you describe these red suited gods or stewards or i suppose yeah i guess we'll find out later in the show what they're called but um just a brilliant once he like goes under the car and like grabs on i was like (laughs) okay i'm in you know that was that was the moment what about for you were you hooked from the beginning like you said it starts off so miserably and like Jae is this character you just don't root for at all 
Like he's doing things and you're yelling at him, why are you doing that? Yeah. You're stealing money from your mum. You are failing to give your daughter like a fried chicken meal because you're going off and gambling. And you are also clearly not reflecting on yourself in that way. And I know obviously like gambling addictions are complicated things. So I want to go into that discussion. But just, you know, as a character, you're watching him and you're not rooting for him. And there's this sort of very like a, a heavy weight of misery on top of that entire show in that beginning section. And of course that's offset later by that aesthetically, that whole the bright colours and mm-hmm. the the child like it's kind of it reminded me of like, you know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the Johnny Depp version. Like those garish colours and simple shapes and all of those things. So there's all there's that visual contrast that it sets up immediately. Like you're going from this dreary, miserable hellhole of a world into what is meant to be like a gateway to possible riches. And of course that gets turned on its head really quickly. But I was actually hooked much, much earlier. I was hooked when they started the playground game. The, you know, Mugungwakochi that which I can we just talk about Netflix subs? I really am not enjoying the Netflix subs. So they call it red light, green light. Yeah, but I feel like red light, green light is really the only way it, yeah. you could have translated that. That's not actually one of my complaints yeah, because no. <laughs> you need the cultural context. If you just translate that as the rose of Sharon has bloomed, nobody's going to get it, you know? This is where I like translator's notes. Well, Netflix doesn't do those. I mean, because I don't even know that game as Red Light, Green Light. I know that game as a, as a completely different name. So that is the most understandable change. But like, it just reminded me that there were all of these moments where, mm. I mean, they just weren't saying the same thing. And I did sort of, I flipped between the dub and the, um, the Korean. And yes, it is basically closed caption of the dub. But... So I didn't realize until um, I think our friend K-Fangirl told us yesterday that you have to actually select the English subtitles and not the English CC. I don't dub. think I have that option because I have tried and they're all the same. On mine, you can actually choose between the two. Huh. Um, and I definitely, because I was like, this just seems like a closed captioning of the dub because they had like matched the subtitle in length and in timing to like when the character was speaking. Mm. So it did get better when I switched. So I watched episode three with the English subtitles, but I still had issues with the way it was translated. Yeah. It wasn't quite as bad, <laughs> quite as off. Yeah. Because obviously when you're dubbing something, you have to make, you know, much yeah. more creative choices. Yeah, no, that I understand. And I get that the dub makes it accessible for so many more people to watch. And that's always good. Like, you know, opening up accessibility is good. And I guess I've become more sympathetic to dubs because of my parents who are watching. I never know how to pronounce this. So somebody out there, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. The Turkish show, um, Ertegrul. I think that the G is silent, but I also don't quite know how to say it. Because my mom was telling me that it's more like Ertegrul, but... Uh... I don't know what the natural way of pronouncing that is, so apologies. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I haven't watched it, otherwise I'm sure I'd have figured it out. So that's currently being dubbed into Urdu, like, you know, a few times a week, and mm. it's it's my parents having this great... Sort having of... a huge revival in Pakistan for that reason right yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, and I really support that, because for them, like, reading subs is not, and particularly not in English, is not something that would work. Yeah. So... Seeing that has made me sort of be more understanding of of why dubbing is good. 
So I'm trying not to be sort of, you know, that kind of snobby purist when it comes to these things. I mean, people need to do what they need to do. The story is the important thing. Yeah, right? and, it's, and it's it's entertainment, you know? Yeah, enjoy it how you want to. Right, and if you're not going to enjoy reading subtitles, then, like, why are you here to do something that feels like work? Yeah, exactly. Speaking of Pakistan, <laughs> can we just talk about Ali for a second? Oh, I really am so... Every time I see him, I feel so happy, but you do carry on. <laughs> they don't explicitly say that he's from Pakistan, but um, he is Muslim. But he says salam. Yeah, and his name is Ali, and he speaks Urdu. Yeah. Like, the subtitles actually say that he's speaking in Urdu. Oh, okay. Or at least the closed captioning ones do. So he is speaking Urdu. There are also, you know, Indians who speak Urdu mm. um, and who are Muslim. So it, it could be from one of those areas. But they never say where he's from. Mm. But regardless, it's still my people. Yeah. I mean, even if they're from <laughs> India, it's still my people, right? Although the like, actor is Indian, I believe, I think. Uh, yeah, from his name, he seems Indian. But yeah, just so nice to see a... South Asian yeah. actor in a pretty decently large supporting role where he actually has his own issues and his own life and, and his, you own, know, his own struggles. Yeah. yeah. That's really nice. Yeah. Um, I'm afraid to get attached to any of Ooh. the people in this drama because probably everyone's going to die at the end, uh, except yeah. our main character. That's my <laughs> prediction. Another thing that I really, really like about the presence of Ali's character is because he's South Asian in general, I feel in a lot of media, particularly K-drama, although, I mean, I don't mean this in a, a harsh or critical way, it's just observationally, there is a lot of South Asian erasure, sort of, in many fields, not necessarily just K-drama, but, you know, when you have, like, diversity representation, you have different ethnic representation, it's the, the one that's always getting shafted is the south asian particularly the muslim so it is it makes me so happy to see this character just like he's a full character and he's allowed Mm. to be he's allowed to inhabit quite a broad identity like and and it's not like a thing it's not like oh ali is brown he is an immigrant he's a muslim he's you know there's none of that he's just a person existing and they don't they don't make it into like an exaggerated source of comedy or anything so even like for example like a they highlight some very real issues that foreign workers face especially if they're undocumented which is that they're um, exploited by employers and yes and in fact it's like if they're undocumented they get exploited in one way and if they're and if they are on visas, they get exploited in a different way because I think they might have changed this policy recently. So I might have not have the most updated information, but there was a time when, a long time when these temporary workers, they could only come for like, I think it was two or three years and everything about their employment and their visa mm-hmm. was um, in the hands of their employer. Yeah. So if the employer decided that they shouldn't be there anymore. Or like if the employer was displeased with them in any way, they could get deported. Oh. And so that allowed for a lot of really terrible abuse of of those foreign workers. Whereas the undocumented migrant workers in some ways were more able to just quit mm. and leave and go to somebody else because they didn't have the legal protections, but then they also didn't have the pressure of like, yeah. this employer, if I get on the wrong side of him, could you know force me to get deported. Yeah. I mean, you still could get deported anytime because you're undocumented, but Mm -hmm. like, it's just like layers, right? So you see that whole struggle of him, like, you know, asking for his back pay and getting refused Mm. any pay. And then, you know, the decision that he ends up making. And then you see his wife and his child, like he has a family. 
And then he ends up having to make the decision to just send them yeah. home and, and he decides to stay behind. And importantly, and this is a choice that they made about his character, is that he gets to speak Korean. He is a Korean speaker. And often what you get with foreign characters is that they're like English speakers or like Chinese speakers or Japanese speakers. But you don't see them. Basically, he is allowed to be Korean in his own way. And I really love that. It's not even like that dichotomy of like either he doesn't know any Korean and it's like, ah, ha ha, he doesn't know any Korean. We can only communicate with him through broken English. Ha ha. Or it's like somebody who's the whole joke is how fluent they are. Mm. Like it was in um, that other drama. No, no. no, The the one. uh, Yeah. The name's not coming to my mind right now, but I know which one you mean. Oh, so not worth it. Oh, that's it. That's it. In that drama, one of the jokes was that like all these foreign students are like so fluent in Korean and then even know all of the inside jokes and all the cultural nuances and stuff. Whereas here, he can speak enough to work, Mm. right? He can speak enough to get around, but like he doesn't understand, you know, the childhood games that all these Mm. people played. They don't do it in a like a oh, you're so stupid. Yeah. They're like, oh yeah, have you heard of that? Oh, let's explain it to you. You know, like they're, he's like a member of their team. They appreciate the fact that he saved Hyun's life. Like they treat him like a human being. And like he's strong. They're like impressed by his skills. And he's allowed to be both things. Like he's allowed to be a foreigner with his own identity as that person. But he's also accepted as part of, you know, this community of people. yeah. There was this like really uncomfortable sort of subservience that he was treating uh, Sangwoo's character with. Sajang Nim, yeah. The first time when they get back and then he's like, how are you going to get home? Like, do you have bus fare? You don't even, you didn't even have money for ramen. And he was like, no, 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 I'll walk. He's like, you're going to walk all the way to Ansan? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll walk. I can't pay you back. You know, he's bowing to him and saying Sajang Nim when he gives him the money, you know, to get a bus. And you can see that like that really makes Sangwoo uncomfortable. Mm. And it was making me uncomfortable too. But then when you see his work situation, you understand suddenly you why understand. he's like that. Yeah. Or why he has to be like that. And you understand that the drama is also making a commentary mm. about how he's been treated that has made him act in that yeah. servile way, which is so humiliating, right? It's not the drama making him into this character. No, it's like a survival mechanism, right? Right. Instead of the drama looking down on him, it's the drama saying, look how other people look down like on him and it's wrong. it's making a genuine critique yes. of that particular problem. And I guess this is what's really liberating about the like non-TV dramas is that they are allowed to be very critical in ways that like a, you know, a network show might not be allowed to. Yeah. Speaking of things that wouldn't be on network TV, <laughs> how do you feel about how like extremely gory and full of swearing and stuff this is? Like, because that's both of us are not yeah. typically into stuff that is this uh, intense in what it depicts, right? <laughs> well, our friend Yuna warned us that it was very sweary, so I get I was expecting it to be more sweary than it is. So in in that true, sense, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's not so bad. And also, sometimes they are swearing in Korean, and the subs are not actually translating it as swear words. It's usually the other way around. I was going to say this. Usually, it's the subs adding like f words where they're literally not even swearing yeah. and then here it's like they're saying like the worst swears in korean and they're like damn it and i'm like okay yeah. that's, a, that's an interesting choice oh and i yeah i found that really interesting the violence is really really hard i have to i like i can't really watch violence generally especially not that kind of level there have definitely been lots of points where i just covered the screen and like mm. i i can't watch that I can't even hear it sometimes, so I just turn the volume down, cover the screen, and read the subtitles below. (laughs) Although, that said, I also have to... 
I've stopped reading the subtitles at some point because it interferes with what they're actually saying. So I'm just like listening and not reading. I had to do that at a certain point too because it was confusing my brain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think for me, I also don't, I don't like watching people get murdered on screen. Yeah. It was slightly better because it's, it's very exaggerated. Mm, like it's cartoonish. Yeah. Like the blood is almost like a little too red. Yeah. There's something about the aesthetic of it that makes it feel, you know, very stylized and kind of heightened where I think that like helps me put a little mm. bit of distance. But I also like during those scenes where like everybody's just getting machine gunned down, I kind of have to like look away and... It's almost like a video game, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of the point, yeah. right? Like I understand why they 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 decided to show the violence. Mm. It's just a little hard to watch, but like it's so well done. Like obviously like I, I definitely get the commentary that they're making here about the way that debt creates this underclass of people who have just no, like nothing to lose anymore mm -hmm. because even if they you know like in the beginning when they go for to, to that game for the first time and they see every and you're like wait they're just gonna let them go and then uh you realize that they picked people who are in such desperate circumstances that they're banking on the fact mm -hmm. that that small kernel of hope and this like giant ball of money that they've now seen <laughs> is going to like, you know, it, it's, it's not going to be, they're not gonna be able to resist that yeah. temptation. And that's sort of like that feeling that human nature thing of like, Oh, I'll be okay. Like, even if everyone else dies, mm. I can make it, you know, <laughs> I will be the special one who, you know, beats the odds until it's their moment. And then their terror overtakes them. I actually thought this yeah. was such a like episode two, you know, the one that was entitled hell, that was such an unexpected yet really deep way of sort of showing... Because uh, I expected that once they'd begun the game, they'd just keep going until they'd whittled people down and, you you know, like a in a, a traditional way, if that even is a thing. But that they would let them go home and then make a decision to voluntarily come back, that was like a stroke of black genius that I'm just like... Where do you even yeah. come up with an idea like that? But also that you could understand why they went back because they were setting up this, you, you know, here's this hell where you have a possibility of winning. Yeah, you might die, but also there's the giant piggy bank full of cash. And like there are rules. And as you say, what have you got left to lose? You're as good as dead anyway. Like what's the difference between a slow death out here in this like hell to your son, the hell that is your daily life versus the hell of the game board or like the I don't know what to call that space but that Hell Island <laughs> Hell Island that's a great name <laughs> but you know um, I think the director talked about how um, and I think this is genius honestly of how he de deliberately chose these children's playground mm -hmm. games because they are so simple that you don't have to waste your mental energy trying to figure out the rules of the game yeah. which is often a huge hurdle Liar for game. me personally yeah. in these kind of um, sort of very like high concept, complicated premise, gamified type of stories mm. where like sometimes they get so caught up in the rules of the game and the rules of the universe and who needs to do what. And then you're just like, you just feel tired. But like you don't need to expend any of that energy. Mm -hmm. I mean, Korean viewers definitely don't because like none of these games are unfamiliar. But even for us, like it, it doesn't matter if you have the cultural context yeah. or not. Because the rules are simple You'll or the same. immediately understand. Yeah. Exactly. And so all of the tension is in like the emotional moments between these characters and like whether they're going to live or die. Yeah, like the moment when you realize in episode three what the umbrella means and you're just like, 
oh my god yeah <laughs> yeah and like you see sangu like he's figured it out he's made his calculations but it's not until they tell you the the very simple rule of the game that like that dread sort of like crushes down on you when you realize you know that it's been tearing upwards basically mm. and the disaster of the umbrella that was yeah it's it does really well in that whether that moment comes with sangu if you know about breaking off the thing and mm. how difficult it is because you've seen or you have you experienced that as part of your childhood or you realize it like a minute later yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really make a difference <laughs> to your experience of the of the yeah. show and like with Ijungje when he figures out how to game the game and then there's that moment where everyone sees him get it and they get it and then it's like a race against time it's just like the suspense of how the game plays out is so well done it is and you know like this almost goes without saying but the music the cinematography oh the art direction the acting and like the, again the simplicity of the music like those yes. are classical pieces that all of us have heard like who hasn't heard like you know like Haydn's concerto and the the blue danube exactly they're, yeah. they're such recognizable pieces of music that you would instantly, like, you're on the beat when you hear it. Yeah. And going back to your earlier point, like, it's these very simple, childish, basic uh, things. And also just like, you know, the primary colors and, you know, everybody's wearing the same thing. Like that aesthetic mm. is very basic and yet very stylish. Mm -hmm. And then you, the juxtaposition of that with this like horrifying... Life and death. Yeah. Yeah. Scenario. And also the way that they've so cleverly given them these three clauses, right? Or, where you would think, yeah, of course they wouldn't come back after being voluntarily let to go home. But because there's like these two horrifying clauses first of once you start, you can't stop and players who stop will be eliminated. I think those are the two. Yeah. And then the third one is if everyone agrees that they want to go home, or if a majority they'll agrees. let them go. Yeah. yeah, a majority. That felt like and a Brexit actually... vote, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they... The juxtaposition of that like extreme cruelty and then this like appearance of a reasonable, you know, uh, side to these monsters, basically, yeah. who are like these faceless, you know, anonymous sort of game masters. Mm -hmm. Right. So and that and the music and then like the weird surrealist kind of um, sets like it gives you this like destabilizing kind of weird like you're out of time, you're out of the world. Like it's just mm. such a cool aesthetic. It just grips you. It sucks you in. All of that said. I do have some questions. <laughs> one, I mean, the first one I think I can kind of answer having sort of thought about it a bit more. Like, 500 people went missing all at once. How does that even go unnoticed? But like you say, they're the people who are at the very, very sort of under the heel of society's lowest. Yeah. They're not even like at the lowest tier. They're sort of below the lowest tier. So you would expect these people to go missing, right? In a society when suicide is rampant, um, especially for people in really desperate situations, if these kind of people disappear, mm. even the people who are closest to them might think, oh. Yeah, but also, like, if you're running away from loan sharks, for example, which m most of these people were, that's true. disappearing is your best possible option because you survive that way. But my sort of bigger question is, like, I wonder what is the end game of all of this? Like, what do they gain? And they're clearly not harvesting the bodies for organs or anything because they're just, you know, killing them carelessly and then cremating them. So, like, what's the point? 
And you know, yeah, the guy in the black mask. That's my biggest question too. <laughs> like, what, what does he get out of it? What is it? I guess what will make this satisfying or not is if that answer makes sense, you know, if the whole thing works. Mm. I'm also really excited about We Hedron, by the way, which I didn't say when you said it, but We Hedron! That just, like, it just it so keeps much. adding elements that are like, whoa. <laughs> it, you know, also, like, he, his character provides this, like, spot of relief in a way mm-hmm. because he's the only main character who's not actually playing the game. And even though he's also in a precarious position, and if he gets found out, they're probably going to kill him without a second mm-hmm. thought. But he's not constantly in this like high level of yeah. extreme danger where he's like, you know, like the, the other ones are just like nervous the whole time. <laughs> I love that the only way you recognize him is by that one loose button. That's the only way you know who he is. And obviously it zooms in on, on that button. So you're like, oh, now we're looking at We Hedgen now. Yeah. So we're hooked. <laughs> And uh, hopefully we'll be back with our thoughts on the next episodes. If we make it without being eliminated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we are able to like find the time to record as well. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we'll probably share our thoughts on like a long yak or something. Mm-hmm. But you'll always have this episode anyway, where I bet all of the people who have watched it already are like answering our questions and are shaking their heads. <laughs> Yes, we're, we're sorry for failing you and not binging this, you know, in the first week it was out. <laughs> but we are hooked and we will be back next time. Yes. So if you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Twitter where we are at Dramas Overflow. You can find me at Not Now Saya. And you can find me at Anisa Khalifa underscore. And you can subscribe to our newsletter on our website. And there's also a link in the description of this episode. And you can follow us on Instagram at dramasoverflowers underscore. And you can find us on Facebook by searching Dramas Over Flowers. And you can find our website at dramasoverflowers.net and email us and tell us about all the things that you loved about Squid Game at dramasoverflowers at gmail.com. But if there are spoilers, please mark them as spoilers. <laughs> Otherwise yes, we're going to cry. <laughs> please don't spoil us. <laughs> Dramas Over Flowers is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And that's it. That's it. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening.